I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder, and today I'm really excited to welcome Chris Gay to the program. Chris is the CEO and founder of Vitality Living, based here in Brentwood, Tennessee. Chris has over 20 years experience in senior living, started as a single site ED and spent much of his career at Emeritus and Brookdale with Emeritus Brookdale merger. And in 2016, he left corporate America to start Vitality Living. So it's been almost six years, right, Chris? Yeah, it just hit six years in January. Good morning. Wow. Well, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So Chris, 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 Chris and I uh, have the pleasure of, well, I have the pleasure, I don't know if you would think the same thing, of working together um, and know each other pretty well. And I think a lot of you, Chris, um, could tell us a little bit about maybe why you left, you know, why did you take a big leap and how has this been going for the last six years growing your own company? Yeah, um, well, it's a pleasure to be here. And yes, I think very highly of you as well. So I'm very happy to be on this podcast with you. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think I spent, um, you know, I had great years, uh, you know, I was fortunate to, to grow with a great company. Emeritus was a company that um, I was a part of building a culture and building a really great team surrounded by good people. And we had some great times. And when we did the merger, uh, the merger uh, went well. I know there's different opinions on it, but it was two good companies that came together and um, to see if they could make this 8,000 pound gorilla work. And I think for me personally, I, I really, it really helped galvanize two things for me. One, I always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. And um, I think when, when I was with a company was smaller and growing, it probably scratched that itch. But in a large company, you become less entrepreneurial and more just, you know, let's just build in systems. So I knew I had that. And I think that was really coming to, to really head for me in, in 2015. And then um, second, I, I realized for me personally, I don't think bigger is better in this business. And I felt that I was getting too far away from where the business really mattered. You mentioned in my intro, I started out running a building as an ED, you know, 1998. And so I've tried never to forget that kind of what's important. And so when I was working for these big companies, I felt like I was getting too far away from where that really mattered. And so for me, starting my own company was a chance to kind of reconnect, re-energize, scratch that entrepreneurial itch, and also apply some of the things that I had said I would do if I ever, you know, uh, did my own company. So it was a chance for me to put my money where my, my mouth was. And uh, it's been great. I mean, we have had, you know, all the struggles that uh, any startup has. We've had all the struggles that a lot of senior housing companies have gone through over the last two years. But I'm fortunate that I've had great partners um, who have really helped us grow a business and really create, I think, a culture that people want to be a part of and also uh, a reputation that we will, you know, we'll do the right thing. And I, when I say that, I mean, we'll do the right thing for the people who live in our buildings. We'll do the right thing for the people who work in our buildings. We'll do the right thing for the people who put their loved ones in our buildings. And we'll do the right thing for our partners who are really vital to our growth and success. And so um, I'm excited. We've done a lot more than I expected in, in five or six years. And so I look forward to where the future brings us. 
And your Vitality Living is 30 communities, right? Yeah, we're about 30 properties now, um, a mixture of acquisition development. We've, we've developed some of our own stuff. We've acquired some great communities. And so we mix that up and we're still doing that now. Uh, we are shifting a lot more. We're doing a lot of active adult. Uh, we added active adult uh, in 2020. And so we're getting into that space a lot more. And then we're still in the traditional IL, AL and memory care space. You know, you mentioned uh, is smaller, you know, that, that bigger isn't always better. And, and mm -hmm. I'm taking notes as you're talking, but the, you know, our business is high touch. You know, it's high touch in for everything from our customer, right? The customer who first reaches out needs a lot of mm -hmm. personalization, a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, touching, handholding, connection, a lot of time spent all the way through, obviously, our residents, our families, our team members. Um, but so what do you say you, you wanted to build a culture that people wanted to be a part of? What, how, what part, like explain that a little bit. What do you think, uh, what type of culture do people want to be a part of or even residents want to be part of? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I'm, I think it's a, probably you could ask, it looks a little different for everybody. But for me personally, I, I remember being part of a team, right, that I wanted to be a part of. I remember being part of teams I didn't want to be a part of. I remember being with a company that was energizing and, and um, I felt like I had an opportunity to grow and to learn and, and be part of something bigger. And, and I think that's from a personal standpoint, that's the kind of organization I wanted to create for people who were part of the, for Vitality. I think with the residents, a little more personal, it goes back to my personal experience. Um, you know, my, my personal uh, side, but I was blessed to have all my grandparents, my first generation maternal grandparents and paternal grandparents, but then also know three of my great grandmothers. So I've had older people around my, like my grandfather, uh, on my dad's side is 96, turned 96 in February. He's one of the most amazing people I know. And so I look at him and he's a great example. He inspires me quite a bit. He's still living life, right? He's enjoying life. Everyone's telling him he shouldn't because he's 96 and he's just bucking the norm and saying, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do, right? He goes and swims every day, he cooks, he, he does all the things. He wants to be as independent as he can. And so when I think about that experience, that's what I want our buildings to try to foster. Meet people where they are and hopefully help them have the best experience they can. Because um, I, you know, it's we we've talked about this in the past. We're asking people to give up their home where they've raised their children, where they've you know had memories to come live in our home, in, in one of our communities. And so they're not going to do it just because we give them their medications and we have three meals a day and we do activities. Like that's not enough of a value proposition. We've got to create an experience in a, in a place where people, of course, get those things. They need those things but they also are able to celebrate life in a way and have experiences that maybe they wouldn't have had they stayed at that house. And so that to me is kind of the, the, the crux of it, right? And so one of our core values is celebrating life. And that should apply to the people who live in our buildings and also the people that work in our buildings. And, um, and COVID really showed this. We, we, we used a ton of social media to try to allow families to see in to our communities and also to show people that life was still happening in, in, in our communities. And to see that experience when residents and team members come together and are really celebrating, that's a truly unique thing. To me, that's the, the core of what makes us really unique and, and special. You know, Chris, we, uh, we've all experienced in the top two most pressing concerns in everyone's mind this year and ongoing is occupancy mm -hmm. and staffing. 
yeah. right? Yeah. Staffing. Yeah. So is equal probably for the first time, I don't know, in the history that I've done this, uh, where staffing is right up there. Yeah. So how do you um, address the, the, or balance maybe, the challenges we're having with staffing, just getting people to, 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 do, the, to do the basic work of making sure our residents are cared for, and then elevating it to create these experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, people maybe listening thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's hard enough to staff, let alone elevate. How, yeah. how do you balance all of that? I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, culture. And I really, I know it's used a lot, but, you know, they you always say culture eats strategy for lunch. And why I believe so strongly in that is um, I, I, I consistently preach to my teams that mission margin balance, right? You, you can't have, you can't be heavy on one end of the scale and expect to have a good business, right? And what I mean by that is if you're too mission driven, right? Where you're only focused on the experience and you think you're gonna create this great experience and you're gonna, everyone's gonna move in and everybody's gonna have a great time. That doesn't work, right? It, you've gotta think about the margins and how do we make sure we run the business efficiently? And that goes to the crux of your question, staffing sales, right? Sales is the fuel that drives the revenue that allows us to create the experience and build the business staffing are the is the heart right it's it's the you know it's the they're the engine behind that fuel that really allows us to to put hands on residents and help them uh be able to experience life and so um in in both of those issues what's you know the we both know this prior to covid those were both issues right if we if we do this podcast prior to covid sales and occupancy would come up sales probably would come up and be more you know or the People side was less of a concern, but it was a concern. Mm-hmm. Now we know not only do we not have enough good people to take care of our residents, people are leaving the industry in droves. Um, and we have this population of folks that are aging into our business. And so we've got this kind of interesting dynamic happening. So it goes back to that mission market, right? We've got to be able to um, create an environment. And, and I've been, what I've, the example I've been using is we've got a great, um, thanks to your coaching and your help, we've got a great sales book, sales playbook, great sales strategy, great sales training, right? Where we really create an experience for that prospect all the way through to when they tour, to when they move in, right? And that's very scripted. We track it. We use a CRM to track that. We've got all these pieces and all these things that really help us build that. And we've been fortunate because we've applied that system and used it over the last 15 months, we've had 13 months of positive net gain, right? So we have had strong occupancy growth. We could always be stronger, but we are making those gains. The, the people side has been tough. I don't think we have a market that we're in that we haven't had some kind of staffing challenges. You know, whether that during the peak of COVID, trying to find nurses, because why would they come work for us when they could go work for an agency and make three times as much? And then we have mass, you know, the mass resignation, right? Where people are just kind of leaving the industry. But I, I, I've been pushing us to start thinking like we need to start treating our people, our team, possible team members like prospects, right? And create that whole playbook and that whole strategy to merge the, 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 the two. And we don't have the answer. We're, we're starting to take this elephant on one bite at a time like everybody else is. But it's really that focus on what are we doing to make the experience for the people who not just are the, the people who work in, or live in the buildings, but those who want to work in the buildings um, better. And, and whether that's through 
non-traditional benefits. It's whether that's through how we treat them, making sure they get the royal treatment when they come in. All those things that all of us could rattle off and talk about, but now we've got to execute on it. It's just not pay. Pay is just not going to solve the problem. And so, um, and when I go back to what I started with that mission margin, you know, if we don't get that right, labor is 40% of our expense. And so that is driving some significance. So, you know, that margin gets really out of whack and we're in trouble. So it's really that balance of the two. Um, and I think going back to sales, you got to sell your value for what it's worth. I think, you know, you can get really backwards in this business right now if you try to discount your way to um, stabilization because you won't have the, the, the dollars to be able to afford the staff you need to care for the people living in your building. So it is a constant balance. Well, you can't ignore any part of it. Uh, there's a couple of things that you've said that I really want to touch back on, Chris. One of them is looking at staffing and hiring as a sales process. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do a, a webinar next month on this topic. And you mentioned the systems and the processes uh, in sales, and it does work when it's implemented, right? Yep. And if we look at staff in the sales funnel, you know, leads go in the top of the funnel and not enough. Uh, statistically across the country, about 12%, a hundred leads go in, new prospects, new leads, only 12 move in. Yeah. Uh, so working very diligently here and widening that funnel so that we can offer opportunity to more uh, people, at least, gosh, five, 10% more. It would, then we would have more units, we would have more people than units, statistically mm -hmm. speaking, opening mm -hmm. up. So that same thing of, you know, prospects or prospective hires, right, go into the funnel, what happens? What's the speed to lead? You know, what's the, how, how much do they, um, you know, feel wanted, you know, when you apply or you reach out or say you're interested, is it a day or two or three before we're getting back to people? They don't feel wanted or needed and the competition is so fierce for great people. It's the same as a competition is very fierce for new residents. So we have mm -hmm. to look at it very much the same and track it and do it. Like you said, stop, we, we have to talk about it and discuss it, but then we have to implement and start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, speaking of starting somewhere. So as the CEO of a now a super regional, uh, you <laughs> That's are- That's the new term, right? Super yeah, regional. The new, new term, right? Um, you have, you know, we've grown together. And like you said, sales has been a priority. Implementing systems, processes, hiring great people, training is, is, is this constant thing, right? Um, what do you feel as a CEO uh, is most important to do? Or what advice would you give in leading a occupancy or sales focused vision and culture? Yeah, that's a great question, Julie. Um, I think it really starts with me, right? It, 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 if you think a sales culture and sales um, focus is going to start with just your sales leader or your regional team, um, I, I don't think you could be successful. And I go back to, I remember when I was an executive director. When I engaged with my sales director as a partner and drove and really said, okay, I'm going to drive the culture of sales, sales only sell, sales first, sales matters, let's focus. We had occupancy success. When I was a regional, 
when I focused the culture and really drove, it was a real, the, the real driver of the sales focus. We got results collaborating with my partner. I think as the CEO, I've got to set the tone. I've got to set the culture. If I'm going to tell everybody, this is our sales you know, process. This is our sales strategy. This is the sales playbook we use. If I'm not pushing people and saying, okay, and holding everyone accountable in the organization to support my sales team in that effort, then you don't get anywhere because um, your team will focus on what your focus is, right? So if your sales team is saying, let's focus on sales, but as a CEO, you're saying, I'm over here doing this, or I'm not really uh, focused in on it, you won't get people to buy yet. And I think as a CEO, you also have to make sure you support the process. Like what, are, what is your sales strategy? Like, is it coherent? Is it clear? Is it direct? Does everyone in the organization know? Um, we use the EOS traction system, you know that, where we align all our goals. And so um, our two company rocks this quarter are sales and people. And I own um, a few tasks in that. My COO owns a few tasks in that. And the sales leaders own tasks in that. And so we're all aligned and we're all focusing on these things. And I think um, the last piece I'd leave it is, as a CEO, try to keep your strategies as succinct and simple as possible. Because mm -hmm. remember, they've got to they filter all the way down to your, your community teams. And you can create these really complex strategies with complex platforms and complex this and that. And, and no one can operate because they still have to run a building. Right? Don't forget how hard it is to run a building day to day. Don't forget how hard it is to drive sales at the building level. So make sure your strategies are simple enough that your teams can execute on them and then be able to still do the things that we know that work, right? We know that no matter what's going on in your digital world, which you need to have a good digital presence, you can have a good marketing uh, you know, strategy, but you still need people in the community to do outreach. Without good outreach at the community level, you don't, you don't get anywhere, right? So you gotta support that, make sure your strategy support that. If you don't have good follow, to your point, you don't have good lead, speed to lead, like all those things. And so I think it's simple, focus, and make sure you support uh, a strategy of success and you know celebrate those that are moving forward and you know make sure you um, dig in and strategize with those that aren't find out why yeah I, I think one of the things that vitality has done that's been well i know it's been very effective is taking i mean the sales process and system is very simple it's like a mm -hmm. straight line you yep. know um and the what complicates it, what makes it so difficult is that people aren't a straight line. People are you know, up and down and go hot and cold and take a while or need to think, or it's a tough decision. Like you said, you know, leaving your home, death, divorce, and relocation are the top three stressful yeah. events in one's life. Right. So it, it taking what it can seem like a whirlwind and really pinpointing the KPIs one or two and you know for vitality it's tours you I mean because that is the number one action you know your number of tours your number of face-to-face -face is that that will impact sales right so if we all stay focused in this one area right or how we get the tours uh, and the, if everybody in the company knows what their tour number is and we're focused on that you're going to have, get more traction, which yeah. Vitality has. Yeah, that's been a, that was a key. We talked about that. We, you know, that was a key light bulb moment for us, right? We yeah. said, okay, we, we, we looked and we said, okay, wait, we see a correlation. Communities and our number's 20. Communities that got 20 tours 
and if you think about it, if they are a decent team that can close, even that means that they're closing one out of five to one out of four, they're getting four to five move-ins a month. And if a building can consistently get four to five move-ins a month, they're probably going to net two, three a month, right? And so, yes, we want more, but but that was, we were trying to find something we really gravitate to and say that it works. And we really started focusing on that. And it's amazing. You can connect the dots. Those buildings that get 20 or more tours a month have better occupancy success than those that don't. And what I like about that metric, and we've talked about this, is it gives you as, if I'm a regional sales, regional operator, executive director, a community salesperson, any sales uh, leader in the business. If I look at a building and they're not getting 20 tours, you can say, okay, well, let's look why. Like what's going on with our outreach? What's going on with our digital? What's going on with our lead volume? And it helps you dissect where a problem may be. If you're getting 20 tours and not closing any, you can start to dig in and say, okay, are those are we getting the right qualified leads? Are the leads the right type of leads we need for this building? If, you know, it's kind of a choose your own adventure book. Remember those books where you go, hey, go to page 20. Go to right? if, it, if the leads are there, you go, okay, they're qualified. Let me go to page 20, and that's I'm not closing. So yeah. it really helps you dissect mm-hmm. where your jam is in the process, and it's such a simple metric. And I think people who hear us focus on this, and they're like, well. That's simple. Yeah, it can be that simple. And, and I challenge anybody, try to see, go measure how many of your buildings are actually hitting 20 tours and, and go see who those that are, how well their occupancy is doing. And then try to challenge yourself to get all your buildings there. You'd be surprised. Everyone, even though it's such a simple metric, we know it'll help your business. It's like dragging people to the well to get them to try to focus on that. They find every excuse why they can't hit 20 tours. And in my opinion, you know, if you have a strong digital presence, strong marketing strategy, and a really good outreach, I think you can get 20 tours with just really good local outreach personally. But if you have all those things in place, there's no reason why any building, unless you're in a, there's always those offshoot markets, right? We always have those markets that are rural, that maybe are in places where they may not get 20. Well, those teams then need to really focus on whatever they get, they got to maximize their closing because then you've got to do more with less. Perfectly said. One of the things I admire about you, Chris, is you are, as uh, is, is, is much as you've achieved in your career, you're very coachable. You, you love to learn and grow and, and, and challenge yourself and, and lean in and learn. And that's probably why you've been so successful. What, what, what advice would you give someone listening who um, may not have, you know, the the systems and processes and, and everything that, that uh, you have in place now, or maybe they're just starting, or maybe it is a whirlwind. And yeah. you know, what, what advice would you give somebody who's wanting to take that first step? I mean, I think it, a little bit depends on what level of the organization you're at, right? If you're in my seat, I think you need to find help. Right. And, and to go out there is, you know, grow is a great example. Go and talk to you and help, help you learn the process. Right. Because I think if you're at my level and you're struggling with that, you got to figure out really quickly, what, what do I need to put in place to get this shift? What do I need? Is that people? Is that process? Is that training? And I got to find and meet that need. I think if I'm at the community level, I think the first thing is take some time to be strategic. And what I mean by that is take a step back whether it's you or whether it's your sales leader, I'm sure you've got some kind of CRM, something where you've got all your data. Take an afternoon and just take a look at what's going on, right? Look, how many leads am I getting? 
Where are those leads coming from? You know, who's sending it to me? Are they good leads? You know, are they leads that meet, meet, meet our ability to take care of them from a cutie standpoint, meet our need to, to our financial needs, you know, start answering those questions and walk through and figure out where your holes are and then say, okay, instead of trying to focus on fixing the whole thing, because immediately we all go to movements. I need to get movements. There are so many steps. You said it. There's that linear process that have to get you to that movement spot. You are, if you don't have enough lead volume, you'll never hit your movement target. And so sitting around talking about how to get more move-ins when you haven't solved the most basic issue of, of lead volume. So I think it's understanding where your hole is, where's your weak spot, and just focus on that one spot. Maybe it's just general outreach. You just don't have enough outreach. People don't know who you are. Start there. Because if you start working your way, just like you talked about that sales funnel, if you start fixing from the top up instead of the bottom up, you're going to get better results. And I think what we tend to do is go to the bottom, move-ins. I need movements. And then what happens is we get desperate and we start wheeling and dealing. We start taking people that maybe aren't appropriate from us from a cultural or a acuity standpoint. And we end up making our problem worse instead of stopping and going, okay, I know I need move-ins, but I need to fix my sales funnel first. And so wherever that is, right, you've got your leads, you've got your leads of prospects, you your prospects to your tours, your tours to close, you know, that, that whole piece figuring out where your problem is. And sometimes it's hard to figure out what the problem is. So use your experts. You know, all of you, wherever you are, have some sales expert, coach, someone. Find the time, analyze the data, see what the data is telling you and figure out what, who can help you fix where that problem is. But you have to fix it from the top up instead of the bottom up. Great advice, Chris. Um, I'm eager to shift gears here. Really appreciate you spending time talking with me today. I'd like to do something kind of fun uh, okay. to close out. We're gonna do a speed round. I need a speed round. So Are we do an '80s music. Uh, <laughs> '80s music. I win that round. <laughs> well, uh, best one hit wonder. '80s music. Best one hit wonder. Is that the speed round? Best hit one hit wonder. Come on, yeah. Eileen by Dexie and the Midnight Runners. Okay, come on, Eileen. All right. Hey, what about Aha? Or is Aha? Oh, take on me. That was a good one, too. That was a good one, too. Are they a one hit wonder? I think so. I think so. All right. Yeah, I, I think you and I agree the one hit wonders from the 80s really, really rock, right? Uh, what about the show we should all binge watch? Oh, that's a good one. You know what I went back to? I don't get to binge a lot. So I, I binge in like real binge, like I'm, I'm on an airplane. Let me watch as many. And, um, uh, my COO got me into the show. Uh, it's that, uh, drive to survive the F1 formula racing show. And I know you don't have to be an F1 race car fan. The show is intriguing. It's a fascinating show on human behavior and teams and, and energy. It's, uh, so F1 drive to survive. You got to watch it. All right. I got to put it on my list. What about the last concert you've been to? Oh, and it, so I was doing so many concerts. Actually, I just went to see the Black Pumas at the Ryman, which was a fantastic show. Oh, nice. it's a great venue. Yeah, because yeah, I had missed them when we went to Memphis, so I saw them at the at Ryman. So, and you've been doing, yeah, you've been to a few. You love music. I do. I'm a big music fan. I can't, I can't play music. I can't sing. I've got no musical talent. I think I can play the bass drum if you gave me a chance. Um, but that's about all I got. But I really like music um, for someone who doesn't have any talent in it. What about the last concert you brought your twins to? Oh, actually, that we took them for their 18th birthday. Um, 
they we asked them what they wanted to do they wanted to go to a concert they picked the concert this is one of those moments where i was like maybe i did expose them to good music uh they chose um to see greta van fleet cage the elephant and metallica um, and so it was one concert in Atlanta. My oldest daughter came down. Uh, so my, my wife, Julie, and I took all three kids. And it was one of those kind of cool nights where, because I, I remember seeing Metallica when I was probably my son and daughter's age, so like 18. And so it was kind of surreal to be sitting there watching them again. <laughs> but it was kind of cool because Metallica looked like me, a bunch of old guys with gray hair up there playing well. So it was kind of cool. I mean, there are walkers on stage. Yeah, well, yeah. So they didn't yeah. walkers. They were, still, they were still killing it. They were still doing all right. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, bon Jovi and I've got the stones, the stones. I mean, yep. it, it, so many of them are still rocking it out. I absolutely Can't knock seventies and eighties rockers. They're still going. They're going ACDC, everybody else. Well, Chris, thanks for spending time. You're amazing. Awesome. Really appreciate you and all you do for everybody, everyone's lives that you touch. And thank you very much for listening to another episode of Grow Your Occupancy. Thank you, Julie. It was a pleasure. Take care.